Hello there, and welcome to the Blue Milk Latte, a Star Wars podcast show. Today we're going to be going over The Mandalorian Season 2, talking about all of our thoughts, feelings, uh, and you know, even ranking the episodes uh, by the end. Um, w- here with me, all, as always, is uh, my good buddy Chris Christophsis Mead. Welcome back to the show. Hey guys, how's it going? Just uh, as a word of apology, I've been feeling a little under the weather, so if I sound kind of stuffy, it's because I am. But I will soldier through and do my best. Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 uh, we'll forgive you, Chris. Uh, we're just happy to have you here on the show, um, and we're happy to be talking about the Mandalorian season two. Um, before we get into that, though, um, uh, have you had any cool uh, Star Wars uh, adventures this last week since last episode? Um, let's see. This last week was last week. Uh, well, I've been I've been working my way through that. I've been reading the um, uh, what book is that? The Dark fairy tale book dark visions yeah the one that, the one that's like the kids book that's like the different like story tales yeah. or whatever yeah i think it's dark yeah, visions. So, yeah i've been working my way through that so that's been pretty good um i bought my son's birthday was this last week and i got him his first set of uh extra miniature ships nice so that's kind of exciting so can't wait to get you know, get him working on those and start start playing that again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then the only other kind of interesting Star Wars thing that happened was just today. Actually, I, was, I read one of those clickbait articles about uh, actors that had been qu- considered for Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Phantom Menace. Uh-huh. Some interesting choices. I was like, huh, that kind of would have would have made Star Wars maybe more interesting. I don't know. What? Are, well, can you do you remember any of them? Can you give us some? Uh, the, well, the ones that really stuck with interesting with the Qui Gon choices. There were some really interesting people for Qui Gon. Including uh, Vin Diesel, which I was like, "What?" Yeah, he was like twenty something at the time. He wouldn't be like old and wise at all, right? I think that's why he got knocked out pretty early on. But like, yeah, Vin Diesel was on the list. Um, Denzel Washington. That would have been cool. Yeah, I was like, that one actually would have been really good. Yeah. Morgan Freeman was another one. Yeah, 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 it could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess originally, um, according to the article, I don't know how true this or not, that George Lucas not necessarily think of Qui-Gon as a white guy initially uh-huh. they were trying to do some like you know like a different like a non-white actor for that role yeah which is kind of which I think would have been interesting which I think would have been cool it would have made Star Wars a little at least the prequels a little little less racially charged maybe 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 <laughs> Yeah. If you know, because I mean, I mean not not to not to get into a whole political discussion about this but there is that joke about how you know between the prequels and the original trilogy, like there's kind of only two black people in the whole galaxy, Mace Windu and Lando, and that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, thankfully now we have a lot more diversity there, so that's that's always nice yeah. to see. Um, Which is actually, I was listening to someone talk about the finale, and I got a, a thought about that that they someone a point someone made that I thought was really good, but we'll we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, and then just a quick little housekeeping thing. It's Star Wars Dark Legends by George Mann. That's the book. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And then uh, I won't take up too much time because I actually, unfortunately, aside from watching the Mandalorian show and eating Baby Yoda cupcakes, um, I <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had too many Star Wars adventures because uh, during Christmas time and working in retail, two different retail jobs, you kind of just have your life sucked out of you uh, just yep. working two jobs. <laughs> So that was kind of uh, my whole week. Um, but like the night we got to enjoy the Mandalorian, it was just an amazing night. It was it felt almost like an event 
uh, night of going to the movie theaters. We celebrated. We had, like I said, cupcakes, and we were just uh, we had our uh, we had our Grogu T-shirts on, and it was just an exciting time. Um, and it was an exciting night. We were. I was really happy uh, about how the season finale went down. Uh, just here at home, and the actual episode itself is really nice. Um, yeah. So getting kind of what we're going to be doing uh, for those listening here, we're going to just be kind of very quickly. Eh, I don't know. We'll see about the quick part. Um, going over all eight, <laughs> <laughs> all eight episodes of season two and then just going over our general thoughts and feelings. And then at the end here, we're going to be ranking them from um, not our least favorite. I'm just going to say from bottom to top. top I mean, we, we both love all of these episodes. They're both. I think near and dear to us and add extraordinary uh, layers to the Star Wars mythos. But, you know, as always us being Star Wars fans, we love to rank things and that's what we're going to do. Um, but before we get into that part, I just really want to quick talk about with you, Chris, what were your thoughts about season two? Like pre when we got to see the trailer pre anything, like what did you want to see happen or go down in season two? Um, I wanted to see more, I mean, obviously more adventures of the Mandalorian and Grogu. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, let's see, what did I want? I wanted it to stay, I wanted to kind of stay away from the Skywalker saga because I really felt that's where that show needed to live and where it needed to kind of thrive. Yeah. And that was what made it so good in the first season was it was so, it was like a different corner of the galaxy that we hadn't seen characters we'd never met before it didn't have to weigh so heavily on like on on the <clears throat> the story of, of the skywalkers or of luke or darth vader or the empire mm-hmm. it was really you know kind of in that gray area outside of the storyline where like i mean they can obviously colonel you know it has to have a, a time frame but it doesn't necessarily you know need to have all these ties or cameos or characters from other you know, from the mainline series, like that's that's really what I was kind of hoping for season two is that we wouldn't have all that stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will I will freely admit that what I got, I super loved, and I don't regret it. And I'm not bitter about it. And like, oh, we were so much better if this had happened. Like, no, they they kind of nailed the landing perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what I thought we were gonna get out of season two is more, maybe more, just a little bit more of. Um, what we got in season one, which was just like kind of like this, this space western following around, following around this character on these serialized adventures, um, and then you know I thought we wouldn't get nearly as far as we ended up getting. Oh, hey, I should have mentioned this at the very beginning. We're gonna definitely be dropping spoilers throughout the entire season. So if you haven't finished the entire uh, season two uh, portion of the show yet, please go finish it and then come back here. Um, we're definitely going to be dropping spoilers all over the place here. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought we were just going to get more of a continued vision of the space Western. Um, and I thought maybe we would, we would end on maybe finding the Jedi. Lo and behold, we got all of that plus a whole bucket more of just all this amazing stuff. Um, I, re- I really felt that the finale for season two was going to be very similar to the, the Boba Fett reveal mm. or Boba Fett teaser we got in season one, mm. where you just like you see his boots, yeah, you know, or even or even the one shot in 
the was it the first episode of season two where you just where you saw him for the first time? Yeah. But you just but there's no con you just see him, doesn't say anything. You just get him like kind of come over a rise, walk past the camera, and that was it. I really felt that was like I kind of felt like the ending of season two was going to be a shot of a lightsaber, a hand holding a lightsaber, or maybe a lightsaber light lit up. Yeah. And it'll give you kind of a hint as far as which Jedi was coming. Yeah. But I didn't, yeah, that, that's kind of where I thought it was even so far as like last week we were recording, um, you know, before we'd even seen it, before the finale had dropped. I was, that's kind of where I felt like that's where this was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I, it, yeah, it definitely surpassed expectations. It surpassed uh, definitely where, like, where we thought, uh, how far it was going to go with some of the mythos and some of the characters. And, um, yeah, it was just really, really good. Um, yeah, those are kind of just my general thoughts. I thought it was going to be a lot lower key than it was and not as... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the first season, they really just set up the world that is in Star Wars. I mean, obviously, it's already pre-built, but they set up their tone and their version and their take of how they're going to do it. And then they just expanded, you know, it like crazy in season two. Um, so we're going to be getting into the first episode of... Uh, season two, which is titled Chapter Nine, The Marshal. Uh, it was directed by John Favreau and written by John Favreau. It was, I believe, believe it or not, he is the showrunner of the entire series thus far. And this is, I believe, is the first episode he actually directed himself. Um, so it's pretty. Did he do the pilot? Or no, was that? No, no, that was Filoni. Oh right, Filoni the pilot. Yeah. Favreau didn't do any episodes season one. No, he did not. He left it all to <laughs> the people he brought in. Interesting. Yeah. I, huh. Yeah. So I'm just, I would have, getting in my head, I would have sworn that he at least directed one episode last no, first season. No, yeah. He, he, he obviously produced and he wrote, uh, I think, seven out of the eight episodes. But right. He, yeah. He yeah, did yeah. not direct <clears throat> any of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, just a very brief, uh, not brief. I keep saying brief and quick, but these things never are with us. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. The, the summary here is the Mandalorian has been tasked with returning uh, his charge, a child, to its people, the Jedi. He begins searching for other Mandalorians who he believes can help him find the Jedi and is directed to a rumored Mandalorian operating out of the Tapri- ta- <coughs> whoa, sorry, out of the Tatooine town Mos Pelgo. Uh, there he learns that there is no Mandalorian in Mos Pelgo, but he is confronted by Marshal Cobb Vanth, who wears Mandalorian armor. Uh, Cobb Vanth was introduced in the Aftermath books, which were published, oh, I don't know, 2014 or so, I think right around there. Um, and then Timothy Oliphant plays that character. Uh, the Oliphant is uh, famous for, you know, tons, tons of stuff and being a really good looking guy. I think Justified is like his biggest claim to fame. Was... Play, play, playing a marshal? Yeah, <laughs> playing the marshal. Yeah. Because because well, he because well, he was a um, he was in Deadwood where I believe he was the sheriff or marshal on that yeah, show yeah and then I think Justified's kind of the same thing where he's like a um, I don't think he's, I mean he was, I don't think he's in Texas but I think he's like a Texas Ranger type character yeah. I got you know yeah yeah he was <laughs> plays the part well he's a good looking dude uh, it was really fun episode having him in there um. So going along with the story here, Vanth explains that he freed his town from the control of the mining collective using his armor, which he bought from the Jawas in the desert. Um, the town is now frequently att- attacked by a crate dragon. Crate dragons being um, 
introduced back in the original Star Wars uh, film of 1977. Not the actual creatures themselves, but we do get to see like their skeleton in the desert in uh, on Tatooine there. Um, and uh, and that's the noise that um, Obi Wan makes to scare the sand yeah, people away. Yeah, which is another the Craig Dragon Call, yeah, which is another fun nod to the OG Star Wars there. Um, Vanth agrees to give the Mandalorian armor back to its people in exchange for help killing the Crate Dragon. The Mandalorian arranges an agreement between the villagers of Mos Pelgo and a local clan of Tusken Raiders to work together to kill the Crate Dragon in exchange for peace between the groups. They lure out the Crate Dragon, which is ultimately killed by the Mandalorian. Uh, and then it ends with uh, the Mandalorian leaving with Vanth's armor. Uh, watched, and he's being watched by a scarred Boba Fett, who at the time that this episode dropped, me, myself, personally, I didn't know, I thought it was Boba Fett, I was 80% sure, but it could have also been, like, a random stormtrooper, or not stormtrooper, a random clone trooper, or something like that. That would have been a kind of a waste of a tease there at the end, but you never know. They do have, they do share very similar DNA, and look more or less the same. Um, Yeah, so, one other thing there at the end when they're fighting the crate dragon, one little cool uh, thing that some people might know, they might not know. Um, they do, they, they did use expanded lenses during some of the action sequences. So if you, for most people that have like those widescreen TVs at home, it will take up the entire picture on your TV and you won't have those black bars on there. Cause it's almost like uh, viewing through like IMAX, um, portions which are pretty pretty awesome it was a pretty cool way that they shot it and it was a very cool action sequence um and it was cool to see the most pelgo people working along with tuscan raiders working along with the mandalorian it was really cool um and then that was the yeah the very first episode that one dropped on october 30th the day before uh halloween of this year um what were your general thoughts on this one chris uh, I thought it was an amazing way to start the season. It was not what I thought, you know, the season would go right away. And um, uh, it's always, it's interesting. One of the, the I think one of the themes, especially season two, um, which we'll, we can kind of, I'll kind of start pointing them out as we go through. There's a lot of time spent humanizing characters that were not humanized previously. So this one has a lot, like there's a lot of focus on Tuscan Raiders that they actually are not just, mindless killing machines they're they have a culture they have feelings and they have like you know beliefs and they you know they're they're real gives them a, giving them a third dimension they didn't yeah. have before and i think i don't know if every episode does that but there's like there's like three or four like key episodes where they they do this and it's really interesting yeah. it's just you know a different angle some you've never you know you didn't think you, you they haven't seen yeah. before yeah yeah and quickly rewinding what i said this episode was like the perfect bridge between season one and season two because this thing is a space western like up and down it even has like yeah. like the the, the meeting the, the meeting the church. Yeah, the meeting <laughs> in the church yeah the whole like the whole bar sequence where he's like here let me buy you a drink and then they have like that quick little standoff deal um yeah, yeah it's just super super good episode and then the rest of the season i don't think we necessarily get that space western vibe as much we guess we more so go on other different genre and other different uh paths right um so yeah i we're not gonna rank them one by one individually right now we're gonna save that till the end there but yeah this one definitely ranks i think uh kind of up there for me 
Uh, and then next one after that, um, we have chapter 10, which is titled The Passenger. That one was directed by Peyton Reed and written by John Favreau. Peyton Reed is known for, uh, I believe, directing Ant-Man 1 and 2. Um, both both Correct. really fun movies. Um, and we even get to see like an ant <laughs> character in and make a cameo in this show or in this episode, which was pretty cool. Um, so the synopsis on this one is the Mandalorian agrees to take a frog lady. That's exactly how she's titled in the synopsis <laughs> and her <laughs> eggs from the Tatooine to the Estuciary Moon Trask, where her husband will fertilize the eggs in exchange for information on other Mandalorians. Due to the egg's fragility, they must travel at a slow sublight speed, um, and then on their journey, they are confronted by X-Wing fighters who force the Mandalorian to a nearby icy planet because he is wanted by the New Republic for a for his role in a prison break, uh, a nod to previous season's uh, action. And He crash lands on the icy planet, and then while the Mandalorian fixes his ship, this child stumbles upon numerous eggs inside an ice cave, which has to reveal a swarm of spider-like creatures. Um, I Forgive me, listeners, I don't recall the exact name of the species uh, that they call them, but they are from concept art that I believe um, was done for earlier Star Wars films from like the 70s or 80s. And they're finally seen. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, uh, yeah, I think it's Macquarie stuff or like maybe Dagobah, maybe the Dagobah maybe, scene, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. D- yeah. So, but they're finally getting their, their day in live action. So that's pretty cool. Um, the Mandalorian, Child, and <laughs> another theme for the season, finally getting their day in live action. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the tagline <laughs> for this entire season. Yeah. yeah the whole yeah, season. <laughs> the Mandalorian, Child, and Passenger are trapped in the Razor Crest, uh, the Mandalorian ship, until the X-Wing pilots find them and kill the creatures. They explain that because the Mandalorian helped apprehend his accomplices from the prison break, uh, they will drop the arrest warrant and leave him with a warning. After the, the Mandalorian finishes the repairs, the tattered Razor Crest takes off and resumes its journey to Trask. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the Razor Crest there, uh, we got to see one of the shots from the trailer that we saw of it, like uh, all broken apart and traveling like on its last legs, more or less, which we'll get to later on about the Razor Crest. But uh, that was one of the shots from the trailer. Um, This was a pretty fun little episode. It didn't necessarily, I don't think build to anything in this season, but it was a very fun episode. We got to see a lot of good stuff with, with uh, the child and we got to see, some pretty cool, like, horror action type stuff, which I like to see in Star Wars every once in a while. Uh, one of my dreams is to have, like, a horror-based, like, Star Wars film in theaters, like, someday. I think we'll get it, hopefully. But this was kind of, like, a nice nod like that because some of the uh, scenes when they're being attacked by these spider creatures are pretty terrifying. Um, yeah. yeah, what did you think about the episode, Chris? Um, it was good. It's, it's, this is probably one not one of my favorites this season. Um, cause like I say, it doesn't really, it's just like kind of a, it's an episode in a can. It doesn't really contribute to anything. It doesn't move anything along. It doesn't really have any, there's not really a character development in it. It's just kind of like an interesting thing that happens to them on their way to somewhere else. So no, it was still good, but like, yeah, it's it probably one of my, not one of my favorites this season. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but it did, it was kind of a fun, 
I did like that it was kind of a, a fun nod to like the aliens movies as well because even the the spider eggs are kind of look like the eggs from aliens yeah. so that was, that was kind of yeah. fun yeah uh, you know nod there yeah I did like frog lady and I liked uh just her I don't know I, I there's something like I don't know how to describe there's just something about that character that like you really liked even though she's not necessarily yeah. Well, yeah, I like her, but I like her. I think her strongest scene is in the next episode, uh-huh. in the in the opening of the next episode, where she when they finally get to um, her her mm-hmm. husband. You know, you never like it warms your heart when they finally meet after after everything they've been yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just like that, we'll get into the next episode. So this next one is titled uh, Chapter Eleven: The Hyrus, uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And written again by John Favreau. Um, at Trask, the Frog Lady reunites with her husband, and they direct the Mandalorian to a local inn where he can find information on other Mandalorians. A uh, fisherman offers to take the Mandalorian t- uh, to the others, but on board the fishing ship, he is ambushed by fishermen who want to sell his armor. Uh, the Mandalorian and the child are rescued by three Mandalorians led by Bo-Katan, finally getting her day in live action. Um, yeah, that was a... There it is again. Yep, that was pretty amazing. Uh, she enlists his uh, help in seizing weapons from an Imperial freighter in exchange for information on the Jedi. After boarding the freighter, Bo-Katan reveals that their main objective is to capture the ship along with the weapons uh, for their war effort to reconquer Mandalore. Uh, the Imperial captain is instructed by Moff Gideon to crash the ship, but his efforts are stopped by Bo-Katan, who questions the captain about the Darksaber. Uh, he commits suicide by having like this uh, kind of like an asinine pill that they used to take back in the day, except it's not like a liquid chemical that'll kill you. It's like an electronical, it's like an electric shock thing, like shocks him to death. It's pretty cool. He pulls it out of like his uh, tooth back there. Um Bo-Katan directs the Mandalorian to meet the Jedi Ahsoka Tano, and that's the first name drop we got of Ahsoka in this series, uh, in the city of Caladan on the forest planet of Corvus. With the Razor Crest partially repaired, the Mandalorian and the child continue <laughs> on their journey. <clears throat> so this episode was pretty amazing because we got to see Bo-Katan in live action. We also got to see two fellow... Uh, Mandalorians alongside her. We, there was some amazing action sequences in this. Um, as far as directors that were in the previous season, I think they all upped their game for the second season. Because if I watch this episode Bryce, of Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard's and her last uh, season's episode, like this thing is like firing on all cylinders compared to um, the one she did last year. Um, I really. Which episode? What episode did she do with season one? Season one, uh, I forget the title. It was the one where they are um protecting. It's like this. Uh, the, it's the one where they're protecting them from like those oh, okay. characters. That was Bryce Dallas Howard's episode. Okay. Okay, gotcha. It was a fun episode. Um, but this one, it was nothing like this thing was like a beast of an episode because not only well, like every every episode of the season's a beast, and like I got, I mean. I mean, I was kind of kind of wait to the end, but I kind of want to like shout out like they had a ma- not not taking away from the first season, but like the directing talent on season two is just over the yeah. top. Like, what the yeah. heck? I mean, you got Peyton Reed, you got you know Favreau, you got Bryce Robert Dallas Howard, Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. 
you're like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> like they, 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 I mean, I felt like I was watching Jurassic Park. They spared yeah, no expense. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, this episode, I really enjoyed just the action in this episode. I liked the introduction of Bo-Katan uh, in live action anyway. Um, uh, repri- reprising her role from the animated series. Uh, she was played by Katie Sackhoff. Um, and she did great. She did really, really good. Um, yeah, and we got to see Frog Lady uh, do her, you know, reunite with the husband. That was super heartwarming. Um, there was the scene where the child is briefly like swallowed by like this like sea creature thing, and that was right. like, super <laughs> terrifying for like two seconds. Um, but... one of one of our one of our mutual friends uh, told his kids that Baby Yoda died in this episode before oh they watched God. it because he'd seen yeah. it already. And then that happened, and her, yeah, his kids freaked yeah, out. I would have too. <laughs> I think I know which one it is. Too, shame on you. Shame on yeah. you. You know who you are. <laughs> um, yeah, so just a super good episode. Um, it kind of, I think, this episode really started to set the trend for like stuff we were going to be seeing in the rest of the season, as far as like, oh, you think like that's insane and crazy? Like, I thought this was going to be like one of the best episodes, and it is one of the best episodes of the season but like this just like got the things going to be like no 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 you haven't seen anything yet like if you think seeing bo katan is yeah. amazing just like chill out and wait well i love anytime you get more than one mandalorian on screen because they do this they they make it a point to show like just how awesome they are like that and then i mean as you go through the as you go through the show you're like how on earth did anyone ever beat these people because Every scene, they're just anytime you have more than one Mando on screen, it's just like how how does anything stop these guys? Because they are just yeah. awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> next up, we have Chapter Twelve, titled "The Siege." Um, this one was directed by Carl Weathers, uh, and dire- unwritten again by John Favreau. Uh, Carl Weathers obviously is known for playing Grief Karga and tons of other movies throughout the eighties and nineties. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and the most epic uh, handshake yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, predator, definitely. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it starts off with the Razor Crest uh, requires further repairs before it can reach Corvus. Uh, so the Mandalorian and the child take a detour to Navarro. We're back to Navarro, which we frequented, uh, frequented in season one a lot of the time, um, where they are reunited with their allies Cara Dune and Grief Karga. While the Razor Crest is being repaired, the Mandalorian is shown how much things have improved on Navarro since he was last there. Under the stewardship of Karga as magistrate and Dune as marshal, the last challenge that they are facing is a remaining Imperial base on the planet. And the Mandalorian agrees to help uh, them destroy it. They discover that the base is being used as a laboratory by Dr. Pershing to conduct experiments with the child's blood, which has a high M count. Notice they they do drop the term M count, uh, not saying the word midichlorians because that's exactly what they're talking about. But I think they didn't right. want, they wanted to not say midichlorians and they wanted to change. They wanted to have exactly the same thing but give it a different name. So M counts is where we're at now. Well, and, and I would imagine uh, if you were, I mean, and, and to give them a little bit of credit, if you're talking, I mean, because midichlorians are kind of a uh, as far as Star Wars goes, I feel like it's kind of a kind of a new agey kind of you know uh, kind of term that you know, or maybe something more of a term that 
Jedi would know, but maybe they wouldn't necessarily know in, if you weren't a Jedi, you would never have yeah. heard that word before. And if you're going to be scientific about it, you know, you might use the M because, you know, well, that's, that's a term people use, but maybe that's not like a scientific term. So you would just, you yeah. know, call it M count. Plus it's you know, kind of shorthand and scientists love shorthand. They always yep, abbreviate right, things. Right. So that was kind of, a, kind of a cool, kind of a sciencey way of, 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 kind of a way of science of scientifying uh, midi chlorians. Yep. Yep. There you go. Uh, they destroy the base and escape pursued by stormtroopers on speeder bikes and TIE fighters. Dune and Karga manage to stop the speeder bikes while the Mandalorian destroys the TIE fighters with the repaired Razor Crest. Uh, that sequence was like super amazing when, yeah, Mandalorian yeah. comes in with the Razor Crest and just like totally saves the day. It's like they got some of the coolest cinematography done, I think, uh, as far as like. Uh, a piloted action sequence uh, in all of Star Wars. It was pretty awesome. Um, to do the Mandalorian and the child leave for Corvus, unaware that an Imperial spy has planted a tracker on the Razor Crest for Moff Gideon. And then I think this is our very first tease of uh, Moff Gideon having the uh, the Dark Troopers on standby or, or or like getting them ready to go. Was I believe so. Yeah. Um, so this yeah. episode to me, it was pretty cool. It was pretty good. Um, I really enjoyed uh, them just like going to that base. We do get our very first piece of like what I've already started to coin the term is like sequel trilogy. Um, what did I say? Not Bread yeah, comes. breadcrumbs, but also like um, yeah, teaser. Yeah, we'll use that for now. But yeah, they're already kind of up the sequel trilogy in here because um, we do get like a Snoke like uh, figure in a in a tank that's kind of just chilling there so we kind of do get like yeah. our very first tease of what that could look like or what that could be later on uh, when I thought that and, I, and where, where they when they when they do the whole thing when they show the uh, they really talk about needing studying the blood for the M count and everything I thought the season was going to go a whole different direction at the end of it, and then, and maybe maybe it still will in the later season. But I thought this was like building this to a different ending because I kind of felt like because even even with the dark troopers, I wasn't one hundred percent because the way they they show that scene, it's not one hundred percent clear that they're robots mm-hmm. at that point. So I thought maybe they were trying to do some kind of a thing where they were like trying to give stormtroopers yeah. force powers. By like synthesizing yeah. midi chlorians or midi synthesizing something in the blood, being some kind of a like a like a force uh, steroids yeah. almost, kind of like uh, to borrow from a different movie, uh, kind of like the the plot in Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman film, but Patty Jenkins' uh, Wonder Woman film, where they were had that kind of weird like suit, like god powered yeah. uh, steroids. They yeah. were they're all huffing. I kind of thought that's where the season was going to go, and I kind of felt I kind of thought at the end that Moff Gideon was going to like juice himself, and then there was going to be some epic showdown. It sure did. Yeah, it didn't go that way, but that would have been interesting <laughs> for sure. That's I mean that that's kind of where I thought the breadcrumbs were going because I thought you know especially like when you see him, he's got that new armor plate, and that maybe he's got some kind of like I don't know like force serum like you know, like a Bane style like you know setup going on where he's like. Got vials all in that chest plate that just pop into his chest and gets all yeah. like forceroided. Yeah, yeah, that didn't happen. Oh, it's, it's okay then. It's okay. <laughs> um, 
it still could. They could still go that route, yeah. but <laughs> oh, nostalgia. That's the word. There we go. Sequel trilogy nostalgia. Like I know it's like again, I know the tri- sequel trilogy just launched like not even five years ago. But I feel like they're already building sequel trilogy nostalgia and be like, hey, remember this that we dropped five years ago? Well, here's like where it is currently in canon sort of thing. I th- is it is it is it is it nostalgia or is it maybe justification? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because <laughs> I kind of because I, I kind of I feel like there's a certain amount of like because I know because everyone's biggest at least I don't know not everyone's but one of my biggest complaints about the sequel trilogy was a lot of things that just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And you're like, this feels all of a sudden out of nowhere. I don't understand how this happened. And I feel like part of the Mandalorian's job is going to be kind of filling that in a little bit. Um, you know, things like Palpatine showing up at the end, even the first order in general, we are like, how on earth do, in, you know, 20 years did we go from a second galactic civil war again, you know, a third, like the third civil war. You know, we just did this like yeah. however many years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, well, what I mean by nostalgia, by that is like, I mean, again, and I know it's only five years, but like, if you're 13 and you're seeing The Force Awakens in 2015 for the first time, and you're now 18 and you're going off to college or whatever it is, I feel like you have a certain nostalgia for that period in your life, and they're already pre-building it into right. the Mandalorian yeah, yeah, yeah. show. So, I mean. I guess, like, I mean, like, in that way, that's kind of how they're engineering it. But, yeah, also justification, because, yeah, there was definitely a lot of stuff that was just there. I feel like that's kind of on purpose, though, as far as, like, J.J. Abrams being involved, because as a lot of Star Wars fans and a lot of sci-fi fans know in general, J.J. Abrams is a huge fan of the mystery box and just having things happen that don't necessarily need explanation, which is kind of how... The original Star Wars works anyway, yeah. Right, I was going to say that. I mean, to be fair, like episode, I mean, we look back at episode four now, I'm like, oh, obviously yeah. Darth Vader, and he's a Sith Lord, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. 77, they didn't know what that was. They didn't know what a Sith Lord was. They didn't even use the word Sith anywhere in the first movie. I don't think even in the yeah. opening crawl, it's not even there. And actually, I think when the movie first premiered, it didn't even have an opening crawl. I think it was just the, uh, or no, we had the crawl, but didn't have the yeah. title. That's, that's what it was. Because I knew Hope wasn't wasn't on that film until Empire had been announced or was already in production, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure. I think it wasn't until even later on than that, though. I could be wrong on that too. I'm not sure. Um, well, I know I know that numbering wasn't until Empire. I don't think the numbering was until Empire came out. I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like they're being because that was, that was always the fascinating things about Star Wars, the, the original trilogy, is that Lucas tinkered with it a ton. Like everyone gets all butthurt about special editions, but. He was making minor adjustments that every time the movie came out, something was changed yeah. on it. And most of the time, you just, it wasn't anything noticeable or it wasn't or something we all kind of accepted by now. But yeah, yeah. Also, you yeah, know, you gotcha. kept tinkering with that. And here, uh, just for those people that already know the answer, just so we don't seem uh, like total fools, <laughs> uh, on April 10th, 1981, roughly a year after The Empire Strikes Back was released, uh, Lucasfilm re released the original film, uh, this time added episode four and a new hope. To the uh, opening, call. okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's, there. <laughs> that's when we got uh, yeah, episode, technically episode four, A New Hope, yeah. But before that, it was just called Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. All yeah. right. Uh, moving on to the next episode, we got Chapter Thirteen, titled "The Jedi," directed by Mister Cowboy Hat himself, Dave Filoni, and written also by Dave Filoni. Um, this is the first episode of the season not written by John Favreau. Um, 
<laughs> oh, boo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever will we do? The Mandalorian and the child arrive at the city of Caladan on the planet Corvus to find the population living in fear. Well, technically, they show up to find the Jedi, but there's a population living in fear of the city's magistrate uh, named Morgan Elsbeth and her guards, including a hired mercenary named Lang. Um, Elsbeth offers to give the Mandalorian a spear of Beskar steel, uh, pure Beskar, I believe, in exchange for killing Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. The Mandalorian finds Ahsoka outside the town and presents the child to her. Using the Force, Ahsoka determines that the child's name is Grogu. So that was the very first time we got a name for the child. And uh, on my Twitter feed, everything went crazy with Grogu and all this. And I, how did you feel about the name, Chris? Uh, it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, it's 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 not a very, I don't know. It's not a very elegant name. Not that I mean, a lot of Star Wars names aren't necessarily elegant, but I don't know. And it definitely is weird because it's not, it doesn't follow the, the naming conventions for the other two characters of that species we have of like Ys. There's no uh-huh. Y in there, which I thought was kind of, which I thought was interesting. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of really liked it from the beginning. It's really grown on me since then. I do, I do enjoy the name. I know that some of the Star Wars fandom out there is kind of meh on the name, but. I like it. We like it here. Um, so yeah, the child's name was Grogu, and that he had begun tra- training as a Jedi before the rise of the Empire. Uh, she agrees to continue his training if the Mandalorian helps defeat Elsbeth. Uh, they overpower the guards, free the citizens, and the Mandalorian kills Lang. Ahsoka confronts Elsbeth and demands to know the whereabouts of her master, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And we just teed up I think what is going to be the spinoff Ahsoka TV show with that one simple line said in this episode, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? I think that I think that's what will be exploded, explored in her series. Uh, yeah. yeah. Afterwards, Ahsoka refuses to train Grogu due to his close attachment to the Mandalorian. Instead, she directs them to an ancient temple on the planet Tython where Grogu can use the Force to decide his own fate. She also gives the spear to the Mandalorian. Um, general thoughts on this episode, I thought it was simply just, like, amazingly, like, well done, amazingly choreographed for the action. Um, I really like the idea of them freeing, like, this almost, like, enslaved little city that was, like, ruled over by this dictator. Um I loved Rosario Dawson as uh, Ahsoka. She did a really good job. Uh, mad respect to Ashley Eckstein for being the voice, but Rosario Dawson did a fantastic job as well. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts, Chris? Um, I do. I, I loved it. Um, I remember uh, the night at the, after I watched it, I remember I texted you and, uh, and one of our friends, and I was like, I never knew how much I missed live-action yeah. lightsabers till now. And like, because we went through a whole season of no lightsabers, and then the last time we'd seen them was, you know, uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker, which had some amazing lightsaber sequences as well. But like, these ones were just really well done. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize I needed lightsabers in my life again. And I did. Um, I like that. I like the strong uh, Asian influence of the whole thing in, in, in style. I like the, the visuals, the style, yeah. the plotting. You know, it felt kind of like a samurai film. Um, it felt, you know, like even like with the, with the rooftop stuff and like the ninja stuff, and it just felt a very, 
very Asian cinema, and I, I really like that part of it too. Well, I don't know, it, was, it was really good. References, I think, in there too. Yeah, yeah, pretty good stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. well, I mean, like, yeah, like, even even the set design was like like her, like when they get when they get into like where her residence is, like the whole water feature and the pond and the flowers, and like it was so yeah, yeah. so Asian <laughs> in, in the best way, like without being like super obvious but like if you like if you knew you knew like yeah this is clearly like this is yeah, what their influence gotcha, is right now for sure um yeah i forgot what i was gonna say right now oh um i thought this episode that we would be getting because there's tons of rumors leading up to the season that ahsoka would be making an appearance somewhere in there um and we never knew when or how I thought at best one episode we would get like to see like a, the silhouette of like you know her her head, um, and then and then it would fade to black and then right. get her in the next episode. But yeah, we got like a, a her name a name drop in the previous episode, and then they just went straight into the action with her, and we got to see tons of good stuff with her. Um, yeah, using lightsabers, talking, using the force, using the using the Jedi way to kind of reason with things. We got tons of great Ahsoka Tano stuff. So it got me super pumped for what we'll hopefully get within the next two to three years, I think, which is the Ahsoka spinoff show. So yeah, yeah really well done. Dave Filoni, obviously uh, we're bi- I'm a big fan of his and uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was kind of the same thing, same thought you did where like, I really thought, they kind of pull the taffy a little bit on, on Ahsoka and not up front so much because, like, literally, like, the first scene of that episode is Ahsoka yeah, Tano. Like, holy right cow. Like, we're not even going to bury the lead on this. We're just right up in, right yeah. up in her face, like, first yeah. shot. <laughs> All right. So this next episode, we got uh, Chapter 14, The Tragedy, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. Uh, <clears throat> the Mandalorian takes Grogu to the ancient temple on Tython, and places him on the scene stone at its center. Grogu meditates and is surrounded by a protective energy field. Uh, Boba Fett soon arrives uh, with the mercenary Fennec Shand, who the Mandalorian had previously left for dead on Tatooine. They show up in Slave One in a really awesome, like, uh, revealing shot of him, like, zooming in onto uh, the planet. And then... Uh, it's funny they they use that they use a similar tactic in the at the at the finale yeah. the that that they last do, ten do. minutes of the finale they, they 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 give you like a little teaser of like what's to come by showing you whose ship yeah. to show like what kind of and ship you, shows up and then you're like it's kind of an interesting like, like oh, technique it's gonna be oh it is it is yeah um yeah we get a whole moment you're like well I mean it can't be a completely uncommon ship there's gonna be someone else in the same type of ship and you're like. Or maybe someone stole a ship. Like, oh no, yeah. no, it's exactly what yeah. I thought it was. So Fed explains that the armor by Cobb Vanth belongs to him, as his father Django was a Mandalorian family. That is something that we had never known, and it adds to mythos set up in Episode Two of Django Fett being a family by the Mandalorian. Thus, he's at least a part of whatever Mandalorian religion that Din Djarin is also a part of. Uh, well, but weirdly, he's not. He doesn't consider himself uh-huh. a Mandalorian. He was someone who was like trained by Mandalorians, but not like part of their. It doesn't because, but doesn't like consider right. himself part of their culture, which is kind of an interesting. 
just trying to make his way in the universe. You're right. Right. Well, and then he goes, he goes out of his way whenever someone calls him a Mandalorian or references him yeah. being Mandalorian, saying he's not Mandalorian. Like even he, he's saying those words, like I'm not Mandalorian. And it's kind of interesting because like you always thought Fett was, but then I guess he's not. And like that, he just wears yeah. the armor, which is yeah. really interesting. Uh, the Mandalorian agrees to return the armor in exchange for the safety of Grogu. Just as Moff Gideon uh, arrives and deploys stormtroopers, uh, Fett, Fennec, and the Mandalorian repel the stormtrooper attack. During which Grogu finishes meditating, and the energy field around him disappears. Uh, Gideon destroys the Razor Crest, and that was—I didn't think that was going to be coming. I thought we would have the Razor Crest for the entirety yeah. of the Mandalorian show, but. Yeah, I kind of thought that was that this yeah. is, this was the new Falcon of the show, where like it was kind of it, it was kind of synonymous with him, and everyone kept commenting on it and about yeah. how iconic it was, and people in the universe were talking about how like oh I haven't seen one of those in a while, I can't believe we still run it and all this kind of stuff. So, again, yeah, it had that same Falcon vibe to it, like yeah. it was going to be this iconic Star Wars ship, and then the blue and then, then, yep. then no, um... <laughs> and then, then I think I talked about last last episode where there's this weird irony where you know Hasbro's crowdfunded uh black yeah. series razor quests you know Razor, you know sold like 120 of them or you know or a couple thousand of them or other and uh yeah because no yeah. one wants to buy a shit that's no longer <laughs> going to be around i guess i don't know yeah well i mean but people will buy it it's just kind of like i'm sure there's some really irritated people where they're just like really i spent 100 whatever you know 200 on this thing and then yeah. it's not even the show anymore um so yeah and then we get some uh, the dark troopers uh, shown up who uh, succeed in capturing Grogu uh, to honor their deal with Fennec uh, and Fett promise to help the Mandalorian get Grogu back. They travel in Fett, Fett's ship, Slave One, to Navarro and ask for Dune's help in breaking a criminal Miggs Mayfield out of a, a New Republic prison, which is kind of how it ends there. Um, so this episode, like... It had the amazing, like, Boba Fett reveal. It had, again, just amazing action fighting uh, with Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and up against Stormtroopers. But it, like, broke my damn heart. A, when we saw the Razor Crest get, like, blown up. But also when we see Grogu get taken, like, that, like, it really got, like, yeah. nice. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. And, I, yeah, I don't know. And I was, the entire season... Um, I was looking forward to the episode that Robert Rodriguez did because I'm just a fan of his just in general, um, like Desperado and the faculty are some of my favorite just movies of like the nineties. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah. So I was just excited to see what he did. And like, yeah, he definitely brought it. You got like all the feels you got like excited and you got happy from like the Boba Fett stuff. And you really had like your heart broken when Grogu was taken and uh, yeah, he, he did a good job. What did you think about the uh, episode? I, I I really liked it. I like the I like the Fett stuff. I like Fett just being awesome, like without his armor, just like wailing on people with gaffy sticks, like and just like hitting people so hitting so yeah. hard, their armor cracks was really awesome. Like uh, like you know just just cracking helmets, like just from the force of like the gaffy stick was just really cool. Um, and then you know and then just like seeing stormtroopers kind of use tactics. Um, although man, with the amount of stormtroopers I killed this season, how is there anybody left? Like, 
<laughs> is there any more? Is there any more stormtroopers left? Because like, you feel like they they knock yeah. off about a hundred yeah, every episode. True. Yeah, they. I mean, it's not like they're doing open recruiting right now either. At this point in the <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. But yeah, that was a really good episode. Uh, chapter fourteen, the tragedy. Uh, we are now at our penultimate episode, second to last episode. Uh, chapter fifteen, titled "The Believer." Directed and written by Rick uh, Famuyiwa. Um, Dune uses, uh, Cara Dune, that is, uses her new credentials as a marshal of the New Republic to transfer Mayfeld, an ex-Imperial, from prison to her custody. He agrees to help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser, but needs access to an internal terminal. He suggests a secret Imperial mining hub, uh, hub on Morak. There, Mayfeld and Mandalorian hijack a transport carrying the explosive mineral rhydonium and they manage to reach the mining facility despite attacks from local pirates they get gideon's coordinates from the terminal but the mandalorian is forced to remove his helmet in front of the others for the first time since he took his mandalorian oath the pair confronted by mayfield's old imperial commanding officer who mayfield kills when he gloats about atrocities committed by the Empire in Operation Cinder. Uh, yet another nod to previous stuff. I believe Operation Cinder was first mentioned in the video game Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, as the first time we got to see yes. Operation Cinder. I believe it's draw. I think his name dropped in a, yeah, yeah. a couple books, and too. And I'm sure like a few comic books as well, too. Yeah. Um, Mayfield and Mandalorian escape with the help of Fennec, Dune, and Fett. Uh, Dune decides to let Mayfield go, and the Mandalorian sends Gideon a transmission warning that he is coming for Grogu, paraphrasing a similar speech that Gideon had previously uh, given him. Um, uh, that was a very basic overview of the entire episode, but like when I was done with this one, like, I don't know, like, what it is about this one. Like, I loved it so, so much. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa, I really want to get more Star Wars handed to him because one of my favorite, like, Dark Horse episodes from the first season was the prison outbreak season. Um, yeah, and this one yeah. followed suit. Like, I don't know, there's just something about the way that he choreographs fights and choreographs suspense um, that is really, really, really cool. And really good. And it works really well in The Mandalorian. Um, we got, <clears throat> I'm sure, like, I think I've seen through social media and stuff. We got, like, some of our best, like, acting character moments out of Mayfeld, like, randomly. Yeah. <laughs> like, Bill Burr's bringing it, like, in Star Wars, like, the dramatic acting. And, uh, yeah, it just was, a, like, a total, a total Dark Horse episode. That, like, if you, I don't know, maybe would have told me about this on paper a year ago, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of cool, but whatever. But, like, it was, like, super good. I loved it. Like, this this is the one I think I've watched the most on repeat since it's dropped. I've watched all of them, I think, at least all the way through, like, two or three times. But this one, I think I've seen all the way through at least five times thus far, just because I love, I love, yeah, I love the opening wow. sequence of them. Um, carrying the Rhydonium and the suspense there, and then I love just the the scene with the Imperial officer where they're talking about, um, you know, Operation Cinder and how Mayfeld regrets being a part of any of the atrocities committed by the Empire, but the Imperial officer is just so like into like you know death and destruction and order, 
and like doesn't really care about the cost at all. You know, it's really cool. It's re- not, not that part's not really cool, but the scene was really, really cool. Yeah. Well, like, and they, and again, we were talking about like you know things you've never seen before in this season, and, you know, in you know in a Star Wars movie being pop force in the season, um, something that someone brought to my mind. I had the same thought when I watched it too. Is like, this is the first time you see stormtroopers celebrate, yeah. which is kind of weird because when they because like, and you kind of feel for them, and you kind of like want to cheer with them, which is weird to say because you're like, well, these are stormtroopers and Imperials, and I should want them all dead, but like, kind of feel they're I kind of feel happy for them. They you know they've been trying to get this Rhydonium, like, you know, obviously, like, every, they only got one convoy came through, it's only because the Mandalorian was on it, if it had been Imperials yeah. on there, they probably would have blown up too, and you're like, and you're like, they're all, you know, happy and celebrating, it has a very, like, you know, New Hope or um, Jedi moment where, like, you know, the Rebels are all celebrating after the destruction of Death Star, but it's just, like, random stormtroopers celebrating a convoy getting through, yeah. it was interesting. <laughs> So, so some you didn't really realize that maybe you needed, but then you have it, and you're like, "Wow, yeah, this is yeah. really cool." So I I hope we get more Mayfeld uh, at some point, uh, either in more Mandalorian or in one of the spinoffs that are to come. Um, I really like his character. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, he's like the perfect yeah. amount of like uh, smartass and uh, I don't know, like actually like getting shit done sort of thing. I don't know. I really like it. Uh, yeah, and he's he's kind of a cool voice of maybe not fandom necessarily, but like he has a he has, his commentary on like things that, that everyone else just kind of accepts is is really refreshing. You don't really have a character do that before where they got call out the show for being kind of silly or being ridiculous, and he he you know he's not afraid to just call it out. Like the whole speech about helmets in the thing where it's like you know what difference what a helmet's a helmet and like what difference does it make and is it that like. You can't show anyone, yeah. or is it that like you know that whole speech and then, and then transport yeah. was really good? Like, you know, it's just kind of fun to see someone kind of call summers out on some of its silliness yeah. in, in in story. Yep, definitely, I agree. Um, we're now to our season finale, chapter sixteen. Ooh, man, <laughs> chapter here we go. 16, the rescue, <laughs> and again, spoiler warnings: if you have not finished the season, please go finish it now. And please, like I cannot, and I cannot push. Like there was like a friend of mine, uh, you know, before before I would, you know, I had two different conversations with different friends of mine where I had to I had to pretext anything I talked to them, you know, and I text them about it. I was like, "Did you watch it yet?" And they said, you know, one of my friends said no. And I was like, "Okay, well, the only thing I'll tell you is make sure you watch, make sure you there's a post credit yeah. sequence. That's all I'm gonna say." And then that's all I did. And them all, and then once you watch it. Come back and talk to me. <laughs> you know, come back. Tell me when you've seen it, because then we can talk about it. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say a word yeah, to you about it until yeah. until so then. So we got chapter sixteen, the rescue, directed by Peyton Reed and written by John Favreau. Um, it starts off with an Imperial shuttle is disabled by Slave One, and the Mandalorian and Cara Dune board and cap- capture Doctor Pershing. Uh, next, they enlist the help of Bo-Katan and Cosca Reeves. In return for Bo-Katan getting Gideon's cruiser and the Darksaber. The group uses the shuttle to get close enough to crash land on Gideon's cruiser. With Fett pretending to attack them in Slave 1. Bo-Katan, Koska, Fennec, and Dune fight through stormtroopers to the cruiser's bridge. And it's a really cool uh, scene of them just blasting their way through. And just wrecking shop. It's a pretty awesome sequence. Uh, well, on that sequence, like, uh, I'm not, you know, this is not my 
thought. So I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to take credit for it. I think, I believe I was listening to the uh, Kevin Smith, uh, Mark Bernard podcast. I think Mark pointed out that like, they did an interesting thing as far as like the, all the characters storming the bridge and being badasses are all women, but they don't draw attention to it. They just have it happen. And so it's kind of like uh, a kind of a gold standard or a benchmark in like what is like inclusionism, like, you know, the idea of like inclusion or the idea of like diversity, you know, and all that, where like they able, they managed to do it better than most of the movies that are trying to do it have done it. Cause even in, cause their, their other example was Endgame, yeah. where when they had that moment with all the girls, they really like, they, they kind of ham fist it. We're like, look at yeah. us. We're all chicks and we're kicking ass. This one, they don't do that. They just like, you don't realize it till you watch it. You're like, oh man, these are just four women. They're just, strong women who are just yeah. whooping ass and like it's amazing yeah and they yeah. don't they don't like toot their own horn about it but they, you know, but they but they deserve to do because it's it's a good scene and it's a good way of doing yeah. it but yeah, yeah no, it, was, it was an interesting point like, um like ham-fistedness or whatever but i'll just throw it out there just for fans or whatever i did enjoy it in any <laughs> game when we got to see that that special sequence i'm sure you did too no 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 yeah yeah no it's no it's, it's a good sequence but it's just like his point was just like that that this is maybe the way like kind of the way that you the way that you can kind of yeah. push diversity in, in filmmaking just is to just yeah. just let it happen with yeah. and don't don't draw attention to it. Just let it happen and then you know at some point some little girls don't watch them like, hey, those girls are badass. I can be badass yeah. too. And they don't have to like draw attention to it. You know, just kind of yeah. organically yeah. occur to someone you know yeah. to the viewer. Uh I think I mean not to get too diverted on this. I think it works either way. <laughs> yeah, Gender yeah, yeah. issues, two white, like, two dudes. Either, either way. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I think, yeah, I think it works either way. Um, you can, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I won't get too into it, I guess, but uh, I think it works either way. You can be emphasized with it or, or you could let it happen. Uh, no, it does. It, it does. I just, I just, I just want to draw attention to that. I just, I thought it was a really good point. Someone made yeah. that was like it was just a more subtle way of doing it. For sure. Yeah. That I think, that I think really worked really well. I see that. Um, so meanwhile, the Mandalorian finds the Dark Troopers and barely defeats one of them. Uh, two or three, just literally one. He barely defeats one of them, and he, and he, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that sequence yeah. when the thing is just punching yeah. his head in the wall. Good yeah. lord! You just yeah. feel every one of those and hits. It's so hard. Space. Uh, he fights Gideon with the Beskar spear and wins, making him the new rightful o- owner of the dark saber, which you would think is a good thing, but maybe it's not. <laughs> the dark troopers fly. Yeah, the dark troopers such a oh. attack, and uh, before they are overwhelmed, uh, a little X-wing pilot appears. And uh, out of it comes a cloaked figure. Uh, this <laughs> this little farm boy, uh, Jedi Luke Skywalker, arrives and easily defeats all the dark troopers. Um, and a very in a scene somewhat reminiscent of of uh, Darth Vader mowing down rebels in uh, Rogue One. We get to see his son yeah. Luke Skywalker do it to dark troopers throughout uh, Moff Gideon's cruiser. Um, the Mandalorian gives Grogu permission to go with Skywalker, and R2-D2 makes a cameo, and uh, you get to see R2-D2 and Grogu kind of like look at each other and be happy, and we get like this super heartbreaking but also heartwarming scene of 
Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, saying goodbye to Grogu. And he takes his helmet off, and you get to see his face. And it's, like, some of the best acting I've seen in quite a while in Star Wars. Like, again, with the acting, it was just, like, super well done. Like, he's literally saying nothing, but, like, it's all there on his face. And... Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and, and to just kind of point out yeah. the obvious, this is yeah. the first time Grogu's ever seen his face. Literally. He's never seen his face until that yeah. moment. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, and, and he touches his face real quick. Oh, got it. And it's just a really good scene. And with Luke Skywalker showing up and the way that they did that was just um, amazing. It made me feel like a kid again. It made a lot of us. I, I, I know I, I got my phone was blown up with texts from friends and coworkers and such. And we all just felt like kids again watching this episode. And it was really great. Um, so in the post credit scene, we get, uh, Fennec, Fett, Boba Fett and Fennec travel to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, where Fett kills Bib Fortuna, an older, fatter Bib Fortuna, <laughs> takes him out, and he takes the throne, um, so, and we're teased that the book of Boba Fett will be coming December of 2021. Now, what we've heard so far, before we get too far gone away from this episode quickly wrap up this book of Boba Fett thing we've heard rumblings and rumors we think it might be confirmed tomorrow or today which is when this episode drops for you guys listening Um, but we're pretty sure it's going to be two separate it's going to be a separate thing from the Mandalorian so the Mandalorian season three will continue with Din Djarin as the main character Uh, that's kind of all we know as far as that goes but the book of Boba Fett will be something else entirely um, obviously it will be with Boba Fett on Tatooine and hopefully elsewhere as well. Uh, and we'll get to see him being a, uh, I don't know, leader of the huts. We'll see. I, uh, yeah, I have someone to throw out when we get to our point, when we get to our part about predictions about what that could be that I'm just going to throw yeah. out there that yeah. we should um, get everyone really excited. Yeah, just to wrap up this episode, <laughs> the, the, the rescue chapter 16, um, it was like, uh, for a lot of personal reasons and for just um, a lot of just really heartwarming reasons as we saw this this episode like it was like definitely like one of my favorite Star Wars moments I've ever been a part of um, and I really enjoyed uh, just that that night and like the way that it went down what, what, the way we've been doing it is I've been staying up until uh, midnight and we've been watching it that way um, and it's just been really uh, a really fun way to watch it because I hate spoilers and I don't want to <laughs> have anything to do with them and I suck at staying off of social media so I have to watch it at midnight that way that way I'll be good to go uh, for the next day and I won't have anything spoiled for me but yeah it was just a really special episode a really special night uh, for me watching that episode yeah Yeah, no, it was it's it's definitely probably one of my favorite episodes this season. Uh I really like Moff Gideon. I think he's a really good villain. I think uh Giancarlo Esposito, it was just a just a, a just the perfect cast for it. I you know, cuz he just plays it really well. Takes a character that could have been very mustache twirling and isn't. Like he plays a smart villain and I think he does it really well. Um I his his that whole the his like 
attacking Dinjarin and is just like yeah. just a master jerk move because because I mean basically he's playing he's hedging his bets like I mean if he if he kills Dinjarin well then he gets to escape and you know and he gets to escape with the dark saber if he does you know if, if Dinjarin defeats him he gets the you know gets dark saber and he just knows that he's created this giant like problem now for Bo-Katan. Like, and he's basically, he's just, he's just doing it just to be a jerk. Like there's no other reason other than like just to create chaos. And it's like, well, you know, if I can't, you know, if I can't make it through this, then I'll make sure Bo-Katan is not the uh, leader of Mandalore mm. at the same time. It just was such yeah. a masterstroke of just jerk, <laughs> of just Definitely. dickishness. It was just like, holy cow. And you, and you just see it and you just know it from his, from being how smart he is. And, you know, and, and that, I love that line. Where he's just like he's just yeah. like just assume that I know everything you know, <laughs> and then you know, it's kind of always been the whole show just being like one step ahead of everyone. Um, I have some other theory stuff involving him later that we'll get into, but yeah, no, I, I love him. Um, I love yeah that last sequence is amazing because you see you see a Luke who's at the height of his power and he's super awesome and cocky and full of himself and sure of himself and full of the Force, you know, just coming off of having. Mm defeated the empire like five years ago so he's you know yeah. just just yeah. super like full of himself people, um i know uh a lot of the fandom and a lot of probably our listeners were just a little thrown for the de-aging shown in that sequence one quick thing to note i mean not that it makes a huge difference as far as like the de-aging stuff goes the reason why we were able to get this season on time and all that is because they had wrapped all their filming like days before everything shut down due to the pandemic. So all of the post-production work had to be done remotely, including like writing the score and all of that stuff. So I'm willing to give them just a little bit of a break as far as like the production crew and all that, because I mean, they were doing all this stuff remotely from home. They weren't in a studio with each other, like going over stuff 24 hours a day, anything like that. They all had to know. I'm sure do super annoying Zoom meetings every single day and all this other stuff. And I'm sure they try to get it as close to perfect as they could. And then that's what we got. So just so everybody knows to kind of keep that in mind while we're watching this and don't necessarily knock the production team. I'm sure they did the best that they could. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say that it uh-huh. didn't bother me as much the second time as it did the first time. Because the first time, because that whole sequence, I spent so much of that time just trying to figure it out like you're just like well i mean the whole thing like when you see the x-wing fly in you're like yeah. well i guess it could be but no nah, they wouldn't do that how would they do that and then like you see you see that they deliberately like shoot it with like you know we don't see the character's face you're like i mean i, I feel like they're trying to make you think it's luke but there's going to be like a, a bait and switch at the end it's gonna be somebody we've never met before like and then they finally did it and then you're like but how because that's clearly not Mark yeah. Hamill's body because he doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> and not in a mean way, but like, you know, he's like 60 or something now. So he just, he doesn't look like, you know, 20 year old Mark Hamill anymore. And then the face was like close, but not quite right. And just like, a, so the whole first time I watched it, it was just trying to like, yeah, it's kind of when you watch a magic trick, you're trying to figure out how it's done. And then the second time, when you know, what's going to happen. Like you my at least my brain didn't spend as much time trying to like find the, uh, you know, find the strings. To figure out how it worked, they just kind yeah. of accepted it. I'm like, okay, yeah, like, well, it actually looked better the second time. Yeah, um, yeah, man. So that's kind of uh, season two in a nutshell. Um, we'll do a quick 
theory-based thing on what we think the book of Boba Fett's going to be, and then we'll do our rankings. Uh, so, Chris, do, what, what do you think? What's your theory on the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett? I think, and like, again, I, I kind of heard someone else say this too somewhere, is that we could see mm. some Han Solo in Book of Fett. Because if, because you kind of, because part of it feels like yeah. that this is like both at settling the scores. That's why yeah. he goes in and like takes over like Jabba's palace. And who does he have a bigger yeah. score against than Han Solo? I kind of feel like that might be a hunt for Han Solo as part of the book. I don't know how you would do that though. Like trying to hunt him at down. This exact moment, he's kind of he's married to Leia. He's probably just kind of settling down. I think maybe right. Uh, you know, I was, I, was trying, I was trying to do that the timeline in my head and figure out if if Ben's been born be yet or not. Just he born, yeah. might have been just yeah, like two, oh, like maybe God. like we'll within one or two years so. old right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we could. We we very likely could. Um, and the cool thing is, is that because the, the, the thing the people are trying to talk about, like, well, how would they do that? Because Harrison Ford would do like that. They don't have to get Harrison Ford. They just have to get the guy that did it in, in Solo. Uh, Alden, uh, right? uh, Aaron, Alden, Alden, Eric, Alden, Eric, yeah. Alden, Eric. That's it. Alden, Eric, right? Yeah. That they don't necessarily have to get Harrison Ford. They can just get that guy because they've already he's already been recast as Solo. It's not like this whole Mark Hamill thing where it was the baby out. Well, they if you know Luke Skywalker shows up again, do they? You know, do they do these things again? Do they get yeah. Sebastian Stan? Like, how do you handle that? Like they don't have to handle yeah. any of that because they've oh, already okay. recast Han Solo, young Han Solo, and he's probably there's probably been enough time has passed from Solo that he's probably aged enough to be more to to actually have aged to about the point where Han Solo would be at this point in the timeline as well. So I think I don't know. I'm, I'd be yeah. excited for that yeah. if they could if they could pull I, that off. That would be something. Or even or even if, or even like a, a Falcon shot would be you know or a Chewbacca. I mean, they could easily do Chewbacca. Yeah, That's just yeah, the yeah. dude in the suit. And like, yeah, not, uh, you know, Swatimo, uh, I believe he's yeah he's obviously uh, he's the one who played uh, Chewbacca in all the sequel trilogy movies and Solo. So yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't yeah. mind coming back. He seems uh, very happy. <laughs> yeah, he seemed yeah he seemed to, he seemed to love being Chewbacca. So I think yeah I think yeah I think he would he'd be more happy to come back. But like. That's what I want to see in the book of Fett. I want to see, I, I kind of want to see that. I want to see, yeah. you know, yeah. somehow we tie it. In One the, in thing the that Han. I think has been not officially, officially announced, but definitely teased is all these shows that are, they always have like a at the end of the tagline, they say set within the time frame of the Mandalorian. There's three or four shows that all do this. There's Ahsoka. There is um, yeah. the Rangers of the New Republic. Then I'm assuming there's going to be the book of Boba Fett, um, and then also the main show, The Mandalorian. So I think I've heard rumblings that they are going to have these shows um, all do their seasons, and then they'll all come up together in their own show, a la like kind of like what they did with the Defenders, except they'll do it better and the right way. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll yeah. see. So that could be something super interesting to see as far as like. Uh, cross platforms. Uh... What I think, uh, I, I kind of like. There's, there's a few things I think um, kind of work well. That I think I I like oh. the theory that it's building towards a Thrawn showdown. That that way he would be like their their Thanos in the in the universe. I think would be is, would might be a good idea. 
I think he's he's a big enough character and a mythic enough character as far as fandom and lore that he could he could do that. Like they could all you know they could all kind of fall in the same breadcrumbs and kind of like in this season where everyone ended up yeah. at Moff Gideon through various and sundry reasons. <laughs> I think you could do something similar having them all lead to Thrawn because Ahsoka we already know is looking for him and we also know that's where Ezra is. Um, we have Gideon still alive, so. You know, he, he, you know, and we don't really know who's above him because, I mean, he could be on his own, but yeah. there's, you feel like he's part of a bigger, like something bigger. There's some reason that, he, that some of the research was being done. And there's, a, and um, one of the things you kind of notice that throughout this season, a lot of Imperials use the word order a lot about bringing order to the galaxy, um, you know, order this, order that. So you're like, oh, it's again, like we're talking kind of seeing yeah. the, uh, yeah. The fields with the first has, order talk is starting to show up, it, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, uh, you know, so I think you know, so with Gideon live and what he knows, like for, maybe he is like under Thrawn, um, you know, he's working with Thrawn or partnered with him, mm-hmm. or maybe you know, Thrawn's like his the guy who's above him because we don't really know if there's anybody above him or not, uh. So, you know, and the Rangers things could be kind of similar without you know, hunting down uh, Imperial remnants. Which again could lead you to Thrawn, like, and Mandalorian. You know, they they could even go so far as like Thrawn was the one who orchestrated the the fall of Mandalore, um, from from the Empire. Because I haven't really talked about how that went down exactly. Because last time we saw Mandalore in um, Rebels, yeah, the Imperials have been pretty much kicked off of it up by that point. But somehow, it's not. You know, somehow it fell again, or something. Because Bo-Katan... Last time we see her in Rebels, that she's on Mandalore with the dark saber, and everything seems okay. But then all of a sudden, they get like wiped out, and the planet is even worse than it was in Rebels. And Rebels is, is like a, you know, like yeah. a desert planet, but somehow it's worse. <laughs> so I think you know, so so the you know the Mandalorian. So it could be that maybe like Thrawn is like set up shop on Mandalore, and that's where all of these like stories are going to end up in the last series. And this yeah, kind of culmination series sweet. would be like, the retaking of Mandalore. That's that's my theory. That's where I'm going with yeah. with Ron leading the you know the head of the Imperial Remnant on Mandalore. Yeah, on that's 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 my that's prediction. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So we're gonna do our rankings real quick, and um, then we'll we'll go from there. So, um, Chris, do you, would you like to go first, or do you want me to kind of kick things off here? Okay. Cool. So let's. And again, I um, I can go first. That's fine. Cause it just because I like to. Uh, by us doing these rankings, we're not necessarily not necessarily <laughs> saying any of these is a bad episode or a mediocre episode. I I loved all of these episodes, um, but it, you, just as in the Star Wars fandom, we love to rank things, and um, yeah. So just if we're ranking one thing lower than another, doesn't this mean we're saying it sucks or it's bad or anything like that? We just uh, we just like to rank them. So there we go. All right, uh, number eight, I have the passenger. That's the the spiders and the frog ladies. Again, I don't, you know, like I said, kind of said already, it didn't feel like I moved anything forward. It was just kind of a, a random, uh, yeah. you know, kind of a just isolated adventure yeah, got, that just I happened got, to them. Yeah, that's so that's, that's, why number eight. that's number eight for me. Um, I did really enjoy the episode. I thought it was super fun. Um, but yeah, it did, as far as the big world building stuff that I really enjoy, it didn't necessarily do too much of that. Um, and for that reason, yeah, that's why it's number eight on the list. Uh, seven for me was Siege. 
Um, you know, again, it was it was a it was a good episode. I love Cara Dune stuff. Um, just another kind of shout out for her. I love how there's a convenient convenient in every and almost every Cara Dune episode. They figure out some reason for her to yeah. punch people in the face or like wrestle someone or flip someone or something. Like conveniently in the finale, like her gun jams. Yeah. So she has to start just beating people with her with the butt of her gun. And, and like pretty much every episode, there's like at some point there's some kind of convenient like plot device where she just has to like yeah. toss yeah. stormtroopers yeah. around, which I always yeah. uh, just cracks I me mean, up every time. You don't cast an MMA fighter or an ex MMA fighter just to you know have her shoot guns all day. Yeah, you got to get her in there. <laughs> Yeah, um, my right. number seven would right. be. I can't believe I'm ranking it this way, but this is the way that it's going. Is uh, the Marshall um, really really fun episode? A really nice bridge episode. I love okay. Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth in there. Um, <clears throat> it's just I think in the middle it seemed to for me just to slow down just a tad too much. I really love the beginning, the setup, and I really love the end with the crate dragon uh, fight. Uh, but just somewhere in the middle, I kind of got. Well, I think it was the Tuscan Raider translation parts where they're just speaking in Tuscan back and forth to each other. That I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But then they kept doing it <laughs> for like four minutes straight, and I was like, okay, cool. And uh, yeah, so yeah, the Marshall is my number seven. All right, uh, number six. Uh, oddly, I put the heiress. Um... As much as I do love it and the Mandalorians and Bo Katanas and stuff, um, I just, I don't know. The other episodes were just better. <laughs> to, better for, like, I love them more. Like I said, it was a great episode. And at the moment, and seeing Bo Katan in, in, in live action was amazing. Um, I just, there were, like, mm-hmm. things I liked okay. about the other episodes that and kind of pushed okay. them ahead of me. My number six, that's where we're on, right? Six? Yeah. Uh, will be The Siege. Um, I did like yep. Dr. Pershing. Uh, making a reappearance in that episode and I did like um, a lot of the fight sequence in there. I like the idea that the uh, Empire is still kind of hiding in secret and they're still doing these little small experimental uh, tests out there is really interesting to me because you know the Empire a lot of time is you know compared to like the Nazis and such and like I mean it was kind of true the Nazis did continue to try to do their efforts uh, right. years after technically the fall of everything so it's kind of interesting in that Star Wars is very not very like history but it does tread itself in in history right. yeah yeah so that was just, and I and again yeah to right. your point I I do like Cara Dune a lot so uh, that was nice to have her. Uh, back in there and uh yeah yep that's my number six. Oh man speaking of Cara Dune like not to get off too much havoc that sequence in the shuttle in the finale where the guy is all gloating about like there I, I forgot to bring this earlier like that scene is amazing too where like he named he drops talks about Alderaan he makes it and the first time you yeah. hear rebel the rebels uh yeah. kill terrorists which I thought was a fascinating choice and again, just kind of a, a different perspective on the whole thing. We're like, yeah, they, they kind of were. I mean, we've only ever seen it from their perspective, so they didn't think of themselves that way. But yeah, if I was an Imperial, yeah, yeah they would be terrorists. <laughs> and talking about the, the, the millions of people yeah. that died yeah. from both, storm, doors, both Death Stars blowing up. That was, that was, that was yeah. kind of an interesting you know, conf- funny, like, dialogue to put in, a, put in a Star Wars show. Death Star, so I wonder kinda, where he was when it exploded. Probably off base. Off- off base somewhere doing something, but that yeah, was kind of interesting. 
with well, I mean, maybe I don't know. It, maybe people, maybe people did evacuate. They didn't have faith in the Death Star. I mean, Tarkin gets the option to evacuate, but he doesn't. But maybe they, maybe they, maybe some other like yeah. commanders kind of sounded the evacuation alarm, so somebody right, did um, get off. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five. Yeah. All right. Number five. Uh, I have the Believer. Um, just a solid episode all around. Um, just really good with some different things we haven't seen in Star Wars before. That, that Mayfield stuff. Uh, and again, kind of, kind of the eras before it's like, it's a, it's a really good episode. I loved it. Yeah. There's just okay. stuff that pushed the other ones a little ahead of it. <laughs> and, and as we get up to the top, you know, you'll, you'll kind of see yep. what the, what those were. Uh, my number but, five uh, is going to be chapter 14, the tragedy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I know you say really? really, yeah. So it was really good. The first like 35 minutes, um, and like it's nothing against like how it was obviously very well made. It had a, a master filmmaker at its helm. Uh, everything was really good about it. It's just something about seeing Grogu and those little tiny cuffs and being tortured and stuff that I did not set. <laughs> it's just it's the Empire Strikes yeah, Back yeah. of season two, man. It, like it made me just like super it really is out and super sad. So like, uh yeah, well, no, the Emp- I don't know. The yeah, like Empire Strikes Empire, Back. Like, it still leaves you at the very end with, like, I don't know, again, like, just a little bit of hope. Yeah, Luke loses his hand. Yeah, the Rebel Alliance is kind of left in shambles and all that, but you still have that hope. As to where the way this one ends, you, it's just, like, Grogu's just, like, being, like, essentially tortured and stuff, and it's just rough to get through. Um, that's the only reason why, like, it fell down with me. Like, it's nothing against the story but also i don't know i i guess i'm i base myself a lot more on how these episodes like make me feel and this one made me felt like super like like awesome and i loved it and stuff but just the very ending of that episode just wrecked me so i was like oh i don't know if i want to be watching this one that many times if it does that to me i get like too into my emotions <laughs> i guess i don't know anyway yeah. All right. Uh, so we're at number four. All right, number four. I put the Marshall. Um, and this one is more, uh, more went with my heart than anything else. Um, because it really had the. I really like the Tuscan Raider stuff. I like the Western feel of it. Um, just the kind of the it, it kind of pushes because it was the first of the first episode of the season. It kind of stands out more okay. for me. So that's kind of where that one. Uh, my number four. four is going to be Chapter Eleven, the Hyrus. <clears throat> Um, it was nice to see Bug with Tan. It was awesome to see the other Mandalorians showing up. Um, yeah, it was just a very solid episode. I think when I was doing the rankings, I gave it like nine out of ten, so it's pretty high, pretty dang high up there. It's just the top three are just really, really good, so that's why it's number four on the list there. Yeah, yeah. all right. Number three is going to be the tragedy for me. Uh, cause yeah, I, I feel like it is like the, the Empire Strikes Back of this series. Um, it's just being just really strong and on this down note, um, I will kind of remind, I will kind of say that like this one, maybe I feel like had more hope than Empire had when it first came out because when Empire came out, you didn't know if there's going to be another movie after it. Uh, whereas this one, you knew there was at least, you know, two more episodes coming. So you knew something had to resolve itself and then we're going to like leave Grogu with, uh, Gideon forever. So I think you know. So I didn't necessarily have the the uh, <laughs> the, the sadness and the the downtroddenness yeah. at the end of it because I was like, well, I got two more episodes. Like it's gonna end this way. Like worst case scenario, 
like by the end of it they you know some jedi shows up and you know season three is all about tracking gideon down like so i mean it's not yeah. gonna be forever because yeah. we all know you know that, that they wouldn't end it that you. way As, uh all right so my number three is going to be chapter 13 the jedi um I just loved it a lot. Um, I loved all the stuff with Ahsoka. I loved her lightsaber fights. Again, just I liked the way that she was represented using the Force throughout this episode. And I liked her uh, final battle. Not her final battle. What am I saying? Her battle there with uh, the Magistrate. And um, what's his name? Oh, my God. He plays Kyle Reese in The Terminator. What's his name? Oh, uh, Bean? Uh, Michael Bean? It's I, Bean. I suck. I should Bean. That, like so bad. Michael um, Bean. Yeah, yeah Michael Bean. Um, I loved his cameo in there. He did a really good job. At first, I didn't realize... Um, yeah, I didn't realize that it was him until like we got to the credits. I was like, holy crap, Michael Bean was in this episode. I remember it being rumored that he was going to be somewhere in this season. But yeah, there he was. Um, so yeah, I liked all of that. And I love the like a lot of the cinematography in this episode too. Like the way they used tone and lighting was really cool, and I think that speaks to yeah. Dave Filoni and his, uh, you know, his animation experience. He knows really how to craft a shot. I think. Uh, so yeah, that's my number three. Right. All right. Uh, number two uh, is <laughs> going to be the Jedi for me because of all those things you said. Uh, also, just like. I love anything with Jedi, so that's gonna put it up a little higher anyway. But yeah, no, that was a real strong episode, and yeah. just the um, all the Ahsoka stuff was was really was really strong. That was your number nope, two, right? My number two is gonna be Chapter Fifteen, The Believer. Yeah, I, like like I said, I've seen this one probably the most all the way through from beginning to end out of all of the episodes thus far. I just love, yeah, again what. Uh, Mayfield has to say just about the conflict between the Empire and the Rebellion and the New Republic. Um, I love the tense scene. It was almost like Inglorious Bastards like of the scene between Mayfield and dealing with his yeah dealing with his PTSD with uh, the ex not yeah. the ex the Imperial officer um, <clears throat> and just like again oh you know what and you know the other thing that really seals it for me Boba Fett's paint job it looks sick. I really want. Yeah, I really want a pop of him with right. his new paint job and he's wearing like his robe thing. It's just a really sweet design. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen that yet because they've they, they've 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 dropped a lot of images of a lot of the the new stuff like on the Mando Mondays. They'll, they'll release like a new pop that was just shown off in an episode before. Like there's a Gideon with the with the armor on, and there's. Some other ones like they're like happening. They're you know, but yeah, yeah. I was thinking there's, the same thing. Like, gonna... where's the Boba Fett one? Because there's got to be one. I mean, there's got to be a uh, a yeah. Boba one and a Phoenix Shan one. I'm surprised um, there hasn't been a pop review for her either. One, Chris. Okay. Uh, yeah. Number one is obviously going to be the rescue because I mean, how how could it not be? It ends Luke Skywalker. Uh, oh, one other thing I was going to mention, <laughs> I noticed it when I was watching it again this morning. There's an interesting bit of scoring that I don't think they've really done too much with. Like anytime Dark Troopers on, yeah, on no, I screen, did, no, I it's did, like, like a Skrillex like concert. It. It's crazy. <laughs> I did like. I don't know. See, and here's the thing. I was wondering if that's them <laughs> making their parts move, or if that's just the part that they went with in the score to like. 
I think it's scoring. I think it's scoring because even if they're not moving, there's like a weird like electronica like yeah, you know, house music all of a sudden shows up. And you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's a little jarring, but it's kind of fun at the same time because the because the rest of that yeah. episode, all especially the scoring is orchestral yeah. and it's like instruments and it's kind of reminiscent of the right, it's reminiscent of like the and and even like the end when they kind of do a re like a, a different take on the on the theme song but it's more orchestral um than it's been before but then yeah as soon as dark troopers like anytime yeah, they're on yeah. screen like all of yeah, the music I'm, is like, like what the <laughs> obviously I, there's only one left yeah mine is also also chapter 16 the rescue i gave it like a 10 out of 10 i thought it was like the perfect episode um and i'm not just saying that because the last five minutes although the last five minutes were enough to make me like jump up and jump up scream and like be super excited and all like, cry all within like five yeah. minutes like it was like yeah and just yeah. just a just a ballsy maneuver just man like talk about like a real swing for the fences because like i mean it could have gone real poorly and it it didn't but it was just like just a ballsy move because like again kind of like, like i said in the beginning like i really was thinking the season this whole show was not gonna like lean it's not gonna like cross paths with the mainline you know skywalker saga yeah. and then they just yeah. went for it and like now, holy crap yeah so that's kind of our that's kind of our rankings there and uh we want to hear what you guys think so i mean if you listen to this episode all the way through feel free to like drop us um what, how you would rank them on any of our memes that we post on any of our pages facebook instagram twitter maybe i'll put out like a voting thing out there and we can see um, what episodes our listeners liked a lot and yeah we can kind of just go from there um chris do you have anything that you'd like to leave with everybody in regards to season two of the mandalorian um just it's really good uh i'll probably watch it at least once or twice more times uh and i'm just bummed that we have no new mandalorian find pretty much no new star wars anything until the end of 2021 now because I don't think because uh, Andor is just yeah fil- just I filming think we now. Everyone just everyone's just started filming. We'll so yeah, because it's animated. So like you know, because you can do a lot like a lot of animation can be done with this kind of in, under the COVID because conditions where you can do a lot of these voice actors have you know um, studios or have the ability to do high quality recordings from their homes. And then animators can do most of their work like on their, you know, computers at home or whatever. Yeah. Or Lucasfilm may have, you know, sent them, mailed them home computers for them to work on. So, like, uh, you know, so yeah, we could see badges before that, but in general, like, yeah, yeah. there's kind of no Star Wars for almost yeah. a year now. All right, guys. Well, sad. that's all we have for you this episode. Um, what I will leave you with, I guess, is um, remember sometimes uh, to not take life so damn serious and have a bowl of cereal. And watch uh, some Mandalorian and uh, pretend you're a kid again. It's a good time. Luckily, with the good people. Um, I just uh, just kind of going off what I said before. Just kind of remind everyone there's a there is still more Star Wars coming. Um, there's the the comic series are really strong right now. Um, the Vader comic is doing some really cool things. This new relaunched Vader comic is doing a lot of really awesome things with Vader that we haven't seen before that I'm really digging. Um, I don't want to spoil too much of it for you, but like this current arc, like Palpatine's a real just jerk, like in a way that we've know he is, but haven't seen before. And it's been really cool. Um, this, 
mainline Star Wars series is really good about kind of how do you rebuild the 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 rebellion after the you know Battle of Hoth and the Seven Empire and kind of being on the being on the run more than they have been before because after you know they built the first Death Star and you think everything's kind of going to be okay you know they've they've, they've got their first foothold mm-hmm. but then now after Hoth they're kind of being on they're on the run now again so that's been kind of fun to watch fun to read so. And then uh, just kind of stay tuned for that uh, the higher public yeah. stuff coming out too. So make sure that yeah. you're, you know, there's there's Thank there's you more guys coming. For listening, there's still uh, stuff. Just not on the TV. 